Welcome back to the Scarlet Fever, the Daily Nebraskans' own sports podcast. We are back after a long winter break hiatus to deliver you all the latest in Nebraska sports today. We're going to be diving into Matt Rule and what he's been doing around here in Lincoln for Nebraska football, both in transfer portal and recruiting during the offseason, as well as dive into Nebraska basketball and Big Ten basketball as a whole. I'm your host, Joseph Meyer, alongside my co-host, Gavin Struve. Gavin, how are you doing today? You know, Joseph, I'm kind of battling some conflicting feelings um, because I miss doing this podcast. Um, fun back being doing this and definitely been an eventful, um, I guess, month and a half since we've been gone. But also um, not supremely enjoying um, starting my last semester of college, yeah. especially after that, what, 40-day break. Yeah. Got too used to um, leisure time. So you got you got about uh, four months left here, and then you will no longer be a college student. So you'll have yeah all the leisure time, I'm sure, because after college, you, that's all you do yeah. pretty much. Um, no longer be a Husker, right? So Nebraska basketball. That's what we're gonna dive into first. It's been an interesting season, I think. You that that's a good way to describe it. There's been some big wins, some questionable losses, injuries have kind of ruined kind of the flow they had going there for a while. Um, sitting here. End of January. What's your outlook so far on the Nebraska season, um, and how do you how do you think they're going to do going forward? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's a whole lot of fireworks left going forward, um, and that's not necessarily any fault of Nebraska's or Fred Hoiberg's. Um, they've kind of been bitten by the injury bug, which mm-hmm. we'll get into um, in the coming minutes. But uh, yeah, I mean, as a whole, the semester or the season's been a positive. Um, I'm trying to think of what's all happened since. So we we covered the Creighton win, I think, since we were last in here. I that was early December. Maybe I think it might have been right around that time. But the last episode was right after the Iowa game, so Iowa football game. So yeah, yeah, and that was right around then. So yeah, I mean, anytime you beat when you Nebraska basketball, you know, not a historical basketball power, mm-hmm. um, and you beat Creighton, Iowa, and now Ohio State in the same season. Um, that seems like a success, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but now they're staring down the barrel of, uh, what is it, 11 more league games. They're at 500 right now. They're 3-6 and six in conference play. That's definitely going to sink. And I don't know. It's going to be – the outlook's not going to be much better the rest of the season. Um, last game, Emmanuel Bandamel starting guard. Lost for the season injury, I think two or three games prior, Jawan Gary mm-hmm. starting forward last season for injury. Um, I think there will be one or two more wins, but I think this is a good time to stop and, I guess, appreciate what they have done <laughs> this year and right. being decent. Yeah, definitely, I would, in my opinion, a big improvement over last year. We've seen some big wins and some competitive games already, um, and there's still time. Remember last year they didn't really have any – Strong wins until late down the season when they yeah. won three in a row against Penn State and Ohio State and Wisconsin. So it's nice to see that those wins come earlier in the season. Um, but again, losing Vandemel and Gary in about a week and a half time frame, yeah. really tough. Those were two guys you brought in who, you know, experienced guys that thought, hey, maybe they can, you know, you know talk to the younger guys, get them filled in on, on how they're going to, you know, move forward. And and yet now they're they're not there anymore. We've seen a little bit of development from some of the younger guys, which I think going down the stretch in the last couple months, those younger guys will get more action and, and maybe um, improve going into next year. But you never want to see two of your starting players go down in, in the same season. 
especially when you're already in Nebraska sitting there near the bottom of the Big Ten trying to scrap together wins. Ben Demel, big loss on defense. You know, he's kind of had that mentality the whole year of this scrappy guy smiling down the, you know, opposing point guard and, you know, clapping his hands together. They're not going to have that. Hopefully Hoiberg can, you know, for his sake, can kind of instill that in the rest of the team. There's still some guys who have, have had great leadership um, besides those two out there, but it is going to be time for these younger guys to shine and see what they have going into next year. There is promise for this program. I think I actually want to get your opinion on this. Do you think Hoiberg's job is safe going into next year? Yeah. I mean, again, I like to kind of like go by the scale of like shocked versus surprised. Um, I'd be surprised if he got fired, but I guess not shocked, okay. you know? Yeah. Um, I I don't see it happening, um, but, you know, like a fifth straight losing or fourth straight losing season can't be absolutely floored by yeah. it. But I don't I don't know that Nebraska, it's in Nebraska's best financial interest to do so, to fire him. No, and it's not exact. It's very different from the Scott Frost situation where this was a prominent, once prominent program. Mm-hmm. You bring in someone who's supposed to bring it back there and they don't do that. This is not a prominent Nebraska program. There's been some good years along the way. But nothing like we see in the rest of the Big Ten. So I don't think I think I think Hoiberg is safe for this year. I think the Ohio State game, another big win at home. That's two big wins at home this season. That was really key for him to say, "Hey, I can I can compete with, even though Ohio State's having a really down year. I can compete with these bigger brands in the Big Ten and Creighton, which we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. So I think his job is safe. I wouldn't be shocked, like you said, if he does." Um, lose his job but I think he's he's done enough this year to, to for the athletic department to say hey you're building towards the future there's some there's some promise um, what, what have you thought about the young talent on this roster this year we've seen it especially lately with after Bandamel and Gary going down you know we've seen Lawrence get more action we've seen Denham Dawson get more what, what do you what's your outlook going forward for these younger guys do you think they're going to be Im- improved over the over the next couple of years or are these kind of just your low level guys that are just filling in on the bench yeah, I mean, it's definitely valuable that they're getting um, this kind of time this early in their seasons um, or their careers. Um, I mean, these are two guys who both three stars. So you look at that kind of range in the recruiting rankings, and those are often the guys that are most likely to stick around. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I mean, they're they're high enough. They're both like top 200, top 250, which is generally like denotes a power conference recruit. They're high enough that, you know, they – probably fit and are worthwhile to keep in the program and develop as they're doing the season, but maybe won't look elsewhere. Um, but in this current age of college basketball, you can't be surprised if anyone, you know, makes any move, transfer, whatever, at any given time. Um, so I guess you hope for Nebraska and Hoiberg's sake that um, these are guys who become linchpins for this team for the next few years, um, if he's around that long. But you never really know. Yeah. Last year, there wasn't too much young talent on the roster. And, yeah. you know, obviously a big piece left and after one year. So there's going to be a lot of change going forward this season. Obviously, Greasel senior, Walker senior, um, Banamel senior, I believe. Um, Gary has one more year of eligibility. But there's going to be a lot of change. There was already a lot of change this offseason, so maybe not too crazy for Hoiberg to say. But I, I love what I saw in the Ohio State game. I mean, a completely new roster that or a lineup that we hadn't seen before. 
and some of these younger guys, even Oleg got out there. And it, it was it was nice to see because there there hasn't been this the, this season was kind of okay these older transfers come in mm-hmm. maybe we can string string together some wins and the experience will kind of lead us well maybe that experience has paid off for these younger guys definitely going to be a rocky road ahead because of some of the talent they're playing in the Big Ten but there is learning experience like you said um, I'm interested what you feel about some of the other pieces on this roster. Because I was a real big C.J. Wilcher guy coming into this year. I thought he was going to have a breakout year. I wouldn't say he's been bad, but it, it's been a disappointing year, at least from my standard. Um, obviously, Walker's still in there. Um, but not necessarily the consistency from the guys that I expected coming back from last season. Yeah, um, that's probably fair to say. Um, I, I'd say maybe the most pleasant surprise this season has been Keishe, Yeah, who's probably not even fully healthy one of these team one of this team's top five players um but yeah he's been he's been a real like big 10 caliber six man spark mm-hmm. off the bench been pretty good um shooting 46 37 and 96 that's pretty darn good um yeah i think you could say cj's season is probably kind of qualified as a disappointment um given he's one of the few mainstays on this roster um he was a he was a four-star recruit um, but one thing I think Fred said in a press conference, um, I'm trying not to read into this too much as coach <laughs> speak, but I think he said it a couple of weeks ago or something. might have been after the Ohio State game. Um, he said that CJ was shooting, um, I don't remember what it was, but he was shooting pretty poorly at the midway point last year. And then after that, right. he shot like 40 or 50% from three. Um, and I think we have seen a slight uptick in the last couple of games. I mean, it's hard for... It, you can't really expect something like as dramatic of an upturn, right. you know, as he had last year. Um, I don't know if he'll get to, yeah, last year he shot 41%. 40% of three, yeah. I don't know if he'll get to that. If he could get above, if he could get to 36, 37, you could consider this a decent season. But um, yeah, I probably wanted more there. Um, and going back to what you said a few minutes ago about maybe we won't see as much um, roster turnover this year, I'm kind of worried we will. Because you look at this roster, so many of these guys are, um, by necessity, going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Walker graduating. I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, Walker, Greasel, um, Banamel, if he doesn't get a medical exemption, which I'm kind of thinking he won't this late in the season. Yeah. Um, those guys will all be graduating. Um, Gary's got next year, but yeah. he's already older. so That's true. I mean, coming off an injury. He'd come back, but I don't know. So that means you're... I mean, one silver lining in this, I guess, is Nebraska still has its, I would say, its best two players, mm. um, Walker and Greasel, um, through this, and you know, not a whole lot else. You really do need Wilson to step up, um, but yeah, I mean, this is kind of a last hurrah for those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Walker having been in the program so long, and Greasel, you know, having such deep ties to the program, yeah. um, and we'll see what they can do over these last eleven games. I think if they win. This sounds really negative, but I think if they win like three, four games, that's a positive the rest of the way. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. It, it is a little bit of a disappointment because it is the injury bug. You know, Walker's out early, Greasel's missed time, and now these two guys. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the core. And when they're all playing together, we've seen it work. It, it has worked before, um, but obviously didn't get a chance to do much this season. And like you said, Walker and Greasel kind of – not necessarily mailing it in, but they got they got the last little stretch of their careers here. 
Um, definitely want to finish it on a high note. Going to be tough to do without too many pieces mm-hmm. around them. Um, Tomonaga, like you said, just an interesting, I mean, total flash player. You know, the fans love him. Cr- just, you know, shoots the craziest shots, makes some of them, and then he'll run back and, and heat check and, you know, just airmail it. And I, I, I just don't understand from Hoiberg's perspective, and, and I've talked about this on length, and it's probably just my personal grievance, but the tendency of this team to shoot threes when they don't need to. And I know he's talked about how they're going to hit, they're going to hit, they're going to hit, they're going to hit. Mm-hmm. When they do, it works. We've seen it. But when you get down 10 points, we've seen this multiple times a year. You get down 10 points, you start chucking threes trying to get in the game. It's still the first half. You fall in these deep holes. Penn State, they didn't fall into a deep hole this week, but they were never, they were so close to inching up there. And I just felt like the shot selection wasn't there. So I guess that's my, my grievance is the shot selection this year. When the threes are falling, yes, it's nice. It's satisfying when Tominaga's chucking up half-court threes and they're going in. But when they're missing and guys are taking easy twos at the other end of the lane, I, it just it frustrates me as from the you know viewer perspective. But I understand the fact that Hoiberg really wants to stick to his guns on this. Um, you have – we'll move into a little bit of power rankings here. You have Ohio State below Nebraska in your latest power rankings – Explain, I obviously the the game, Nebraska beat Ohio State. Explain your reasoning for dropping Ohio State so low, and do you think Nebraska can pass anybody else, or this is kind of their peak in the Big Ten? I think this is their peak. Um, I got them ahead of Ohio State in Minnesota right now. Um, there's a small chance they could fall behind Minnesota even, mm-hmm. um, given just given they play them once more. And um, it's in Lincoln. Nebraska will be like, I don't know, six-point favorite, something reasonable. Um, but, yeah, I don't – they'll probably end up 13th as they've kind of been the last couple of years. Um, but, yeah, I, I put them ahead of Ohio State because I simply flip-flopped them this week, which just, you know, felt like the right thing to do given the head-to-head result. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also looked at it, you know, Ohio State definitely has the better overall resume – but not by a ton. I mean, Nebraska's got those three solid wins. Ohio State maybe has four or five. Um, Ohio State's one game better. I think they'd be a game and a half up in the overall win-loss and a half game up in the conference. Um, and then the tiebreaker was kind of um, similar opponent. Ohio State ended their, fit, their was it five-game losing streak last week with a win over Iowa. Um, and it was by the same margin that Nebraska mm. beat Iowa by a month ago. So, um, yeah, felt felt right, even though Nebraska, you know, lost another starter <laughs> and lost to Penn State to keep them above Ohio State for just this week. Yeah. Um, Ohio State still probably tournament team. Um, I think the resume is not great, but they're pretty talented. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's probably a good idea to keep that head-to-head for this week. I don't expect that to stay the same. I'm excited for your next iteration. Um, I think I want to dive more into these power rankings because obviously Nebraska basketball, kind of the bottom dweller. We've seen a couple nice wins, but the Big Ten is a fascinating conference this year, and you dove into this in your power rankings. What is going on with these teams where you one team in the – Top 25, they are eating up on each other. Um, how big is the gap between Purdue and everyone else, in your opinion? You know, 
it's like I've, I've kind of, I don't know, this sounds not that surprising, but it's grown like increasingly large in my mind. Um, I, I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion they win the conference. Um, they're eight and one, and the next best team is five and three. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty much a done deal. I think they're going to lose a couple more games, um, which even at that point, if they're, I don't know, sixteen and four in the Big Ten, they're still probably arm and a leg above everyone else. Um, talent wise, they're not way above. Edie's really good. Their guards have been pretty good. Um, but yeah, I don't know. To answer your question, it's it's a pretty sizable gap. Um, just as as these other solid teams, you know, Rutgers, Illinois have gotten picked off by the other solid teams, um, and Purdue has survived them, not convincingly always. It just seems like, you know, it's Purdue and then everyone else. Um, it almost seems at times like Minnesota's closer to the number two team mm-hmm. than the number two team is to Purdue. Yeah, which that's is fair. wild. Um, what do you, for me, I I remember last year how how high Purdue was, and I was I was expecting them to fall off, and they eventually did. What's been the biggest surprise for you? Because Purdue's been the biggest surprise for me, just the way they've been able to win games. Mm-hmm. I thought you know Michigan State would challenge them, you know I thought Indiana might challenge them, but what's been the biggest surprise to you? Because Purdue's been that for me. Is that is that the same for you? Or is there anyone else in here that you're like? Wow, I didn't expect them to be that this far at this point in the season. Surprise team. Yeah. Um I don't know. Probably Purdue probably is the biggest surprise. Um other than that, I would say either Rutgers or Northwestern. Um Rutgers is, you know, a team hovering right around the top twenty five. They were in it last week, just dropped out this week. Only Big Ten team, actually only team to beat Purdue. Right. Um and I think Purdue's the only one-loss Power 5 team left. Um, so that's they've got that going for them. Um, yeah, Rutgers has been pretty good. Um, maybe there's a downturn coming, but I don't think so. And then Northwestern. Um, Northwestern's still squarely right on the bubble. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they do um, in Lincoln tomorrow night. I think that'll be concluded right around or after or before this podcast comes out. But... Um, That'll be interesting. They they have some uh, two very mercurial guards who are super up and down. Um, on the season, they've been pretty good, um, but offensively, they're pretty. You know, you don't know what you're getting from night to night. Um, so they have a lot of room for erraticism. Is that a word? <laughs> um, but. By and large, um, thirteen and five, four and three in the Big Ten play. That's a surprisingly strong season for Northwestern. Right, so you've got you you kind of got your middle here, and you say any of these teams could be that number two. You put yeah. Indiana there. They had a really great week, impressive week. You know, I think a lot of people expected them to be better than they were this. They've been so far this year, but Definitely. they're kind of rising right now. You've got them at number two. Purdue's better than everyone, so number two is about as good as you can get. Why do you have Indiana at Purdue? Or number two, sorry. Yeah, I mean, pretty much just because they're the hottest team in the Big Ten right now, um, besides Purdue. They And also because they got those head-to-head victories over the other teams I was considering mm-hmm. for the spot. Because um, Illinois was two last week. Indiana went there and beat them by 15. Did not expect that. <laughs> um, Michigan State has a case. They were one of the only teams in this range to win a game last week in the top half. 
Um, and uh, they lost to Indiana by 13. Um, so I put them ahead of both of them. And then Rutgers was the team I put number three. Um, definitely considered that. But just given the fact that Rutgers um, suffered a loss um, about the same deficit or margin, 13 points, that they suffered that big of a loss to Michigan State, who Indiana just beat by that much. Um, Indi- Indiana's hotter. I figured it'd be make a little more sense to put Indiana there. Well, do you, who do you expect to rise the most going forward? Do you have a team that you think is pretty low right now that may you know string some games together heading into the Big Ten tournament and make a run at it? Definitely the team we've talked about the most out of this, besides Nebraska, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll probably end up – I'd say if I had to pick, I would guess they're going to end up in the top half of the conference. Um, pretty confident they'll make the tournament. Um Yeah, it's probably them. I could also see Wisconsin. I have them down at eight this week. have kind of slowly fallen about two spots the last few weeks. I think they're at two a few weeks ago um, as they've, I think, lost four of their last five. Um, That's not a Final Four team. I think they probably have fifth best odds or worse than that out of teams in this league. But I think it probably is one of the league's better teams, and I think they will – right the ship soon all right that's all the questions i have for you about your rankings any other basketball stuff you want to touch on before we dive into football here not especially no all right there's still plenty of time on the season but it is exciting that we're starting to turn in here into the spring and oh yeah march madness maybe nebraska will be in that someday uh that's probably very unlikely um okay football it has been a crazy couple months here Matt Rule comes in, we head off to break, and we come back to Lincoln, and the buzz is m- more than I've felt it. I, d- I don't know about you and Scott Frost's time here, but, man, there are a lot of people already drinking the Kool-Aid, and yeah. it happens every year. Every year it's different. This year has the potential to be different, though. It's a different guy in charge. What have you been your thoughts of the Matt Rule experience so far? We've got a couple months under our belt um, kind of seeing the direction he's bringing the program in, seeing the guys he's bringing in. What are your thoughts on uh, our guy Matt Rule so far? Yeah, I mean, I'm about as impressed as you could be without having seen him coach a right. game here, um, let alone coach a college game in three seasons or so. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's brought in, what, 12 guys, something like that, from the portal. The recruiting class is at, like, 27 guys or something like that right now. Um, 26 it looks like um, I mean he's thrown his hat squarely into the ring for the number one player in the 2024 class mm-hmm. Dylan Rayola um, maybe that's a guy you'll get to cover your <laughs> that would be senior fascinating year. Um, yeah I mean he's it, it's pretty impressive how he's rescued this class and it hasn't necessarily been I mean it's tough to tell from afar you know but it doesn't look like it's been by recruiting guys who are he's getting just to fill spots, you know? Mm-hmm. There's been a handful of relatively highly touted recruits. Um, Malachi Coleman, he got back, which um, that was pretty big for them. And then there are a few other um, four stars, all edge rushers from Texas or the South. Um, they got a high three-star receiver today, Demetrius Bell, 
couple other lower receivers yesterday, lower rated. Um, yeah, I mean, it's he's definitely fed into um, the speculation we had before, right when he got hired, that he, you know, liked to recruit these kind of raw, undeveloped, mm. under-recruited athletes, lanky track guys. Um, and then he confirmed that by saying that his opening press conference, and he has, you know, gone above and beyond to bring those guys in um, since he's hit the recruiting trail. Um, it's kind of crazy. There's the amount of guys that Nebraska has given the first power five offer to, yeah. you know, and given them these, like a lot of these guys didn't even have recruiting profiles before um, they got their Nebraska offer. And then, I mean, naturally they committed within a few days. Um, the guy I'm kind of most interested in is um, Jalen Lloyd, uh, Omaha kid. He was a national champion for the long jump um, last year, which is pretty crazy. He runs like a 10, 500 meters, which I think roughly translates to like a 4-4, maybe 4-3, 40 yard dash. Um, he's a pretty crazy athlete. Had a pretty good season for Omaha Westside, which won the Class A state title. Um, he was hurt in the playoffs, but um, definitely a guy I wouldn't be shocked seeing, you know, making some moves in a few years from now. Yeah, it's been incredible the way he has come in and found these guys. Like he's not just pulling the guys off the off these two four seven or on three sites. He is clearly knowing what he's doing by going into these guys who are un um, unrecruited, or at least not heavily recruited. Which makes me think that he already had he had his list going. Maybe he was uh, expecting a return to college once that yeah. Panthers job started to go south. The biggest criticism I've heard of him before, you know, when, when all the speculation about who's the coach is. He's just not, just not the. He's not a recruiting guy, you know. He's mm -hmm. not. He's more of a development guy, not your biggest recruiter. Other than the Panthers stuff, that was probably his biggest criticism, at least that I heard, and so that's what I was expecting. I wasn't expecting yeah. a, a great recruiting transfer portal, but man, he has played his cards right so far, especially in the transfer portal. I mean, that's recruiting as well. You have to recruit these guys sometimes even harder because they're already, mm -hmm. you know, they're already comfortable at wherever they're at. So I've been insanely impressed by what he's been able to do. It seems like almost every guy that there's been buzz around that he that the Nebraska's in the mix for is ends up signing here. There's been a few that we'll touch on later. Um, but I've been insanely impressed by what he's been able to do so far. Um, especially with, it seems like his staff is bought into the recruiting. Uh, he, he said it in his press conference, he's going to bring in younger guys that are ready to go on the trail and get right out there. Um, and that's what they've done. Younger guys that have been in in home visits, you know, on social media talking about players, uh, it, it's been enjoyable to say the least. Um, getting guys to buy into a team that has not uh, been to a poll game in this long yeah. is is tough. He's been able to do it, and and I think the biggest thing for me is his message was consistent from the beginning. Twenty twenty three is going to be, it's possibly going to be a rough year. Um, it, it's a development year. That's not the vision. The vision isn't this year. The vision is the future. Whatever happens, at least from my, from my perspective, whatever happens in 2023 is bonus. Um, you know, they very well could get to a bowl game. They very well could have a strong season. But even if it is a struggle of a year, it's building towards the future. He's bringing in these raw guys, um, you know, bringing in transfers that we've seen that maybe haven't done as well in other places, but have a lot of talent. I think that's what he's looking he is a development guy he's looking guys who have talent who have either underperformed or have been underutilized and bringing them in um 
like I said, very impressed with this year or with this so far. Any guys in specific in the transfer portal that stick out to you um, that you feel was it was a go- great get for Nebraska so far? Yeah, uh, I mean the the obvious answer is probably Jeff Sims. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty pretty highly recruited quarterback transfer, um, Georgia Tech, kind of solid there, I guess I would say. Um, but it's interesting because um, that would if he were to be the starter, which it seems like you know maybe kind of read the newspaper clippings he uh he has the edge especially with casey um undergoing surgery um it'd be interesting if he starts uh because that would bring nebraska back to having a running quarterback um which is you know true to the program's identity in the past and something they've strayed away from a couple times in recent years um i'd say the guys i'm most intrigued by and curious to see how it plays out is a couple guys who um, we're in the portal and, however, have already been with the team. Um, and that's uh, Xavier Betts and Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, both mm-hmm. receivers, both of whom we've seen in relatively small sample sizes produce in yeah. Lincoln um, and do good stuff. So the receiver room looks pretty, I mean, size-wise, it's massive. I think they've got, I don't know, few short of 20 guys on scholarship. <laughs> Um, but it's a pretty deep room. There's really no number one. Um, I'm kind of wondering if there will be, um, if it's Marcus Washington or Billy Kemp or I don't know if Eric Gilbert, the tight end, really realizes his potential. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you don't see that often, guys entering the portal and coming back, let alone guys that were away from the program that long. Right. Um, you know, Garcia Castaneda played three games and entered the portal, and Betts took the season off entered the portal and then announced he's coming back to Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's another thing I've been, you know, the Matt rules done. Well, I don't know that those guys got any other offers anywhere. They're, they yeah. may not have had any option to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw that with the Crawford, like he didn't get too many offers, but he ultimately didn't want to come back at all. So, um, I think it was Louisiana tech that he went to. I don't know if he got an offer to come back. He, yeah, right. So what Matt rules done here is, recruit not only the guys that are out of the building, not only the guys that are in the building, but guys that have been in the building and have left. So he's kind of covering all phases here. Um, I was really expecting more transfers out. I don't know about you. I When Hausman left and Crawford left and, and, and Coleman decommitted, that was all in like the same three-day span. I was expecting a mass exodus, Yeah. which to be fair, might have been needed. Um, there haven't, there's not as much talent as this team. This is a T four win team, but I was expecting some more of these guys to leave. Um, and that has not been the case. Even Casey Thompson, who you're bringing in a quarterback to compete with him, even though he says it's not a competition. Um, he still wants to stick it out. So I, I, that surprised me. I don't know about you, but the fact that there hasn't been as many transfers out means that he is going, that he is committed to developing these guys because a lot of these guys were brought in as as players that people thought Frost could be able to develop, and it just never worked. Mm-hmm. Um, so, w- w- were you surprised by the transfers, or did you maybe expect him to to do what he's done? No, I agree. That's kind of something I've overlooked. So, that's a good point on your part. Um, I definitely expected a few of those guys to transfer out. Um, kind of expected Casey Thompson to either enter the draft or transfer out. Mm-hmm. Um, especially so now that, um, now that, uh, Sims is here, 
Um, but yeah, I mean, they've definitely added more than they've lost. Um, Hausman hurts the most, has to. Um, but other than that, I mean, the, I'm, I think I'm forgetting someone, but really the only departure that hurts is, I would say, Garrett Nelson mm-hmm. declaring for the draft. Um, Which he may have done in, regardless. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm kind of putting off Trey Palmer because he declared right. for the draft during the season yeah. still um season for other teams and stuff so um we definitely expected that but um nelson was kind of more of a decision had to be made um but yeah that's that's definitely a good point it's um it, it'll be interesting i'm sure there will be some departures in the spring yeah um given how many guys he's brought in and how many how few guys have left as you said um, by my count, he's brought in the 11 transfers and then those two receivers who we talked about who are coming back to the program. And then he either got commitments for, um, you know, they committed here for the first time or recommitted 18 high school crews yeah. with, within two months, which right. is pretty nuts. It's so. a, there's going to be a lot of players on that field which I think he that's his strategy. It's like, mm-hmm. you're going to earn your job here. And he said that early. He, you're going to, it's going to be tough. You're going to have to earn your job here. Seems like a lot of guys want to earn their job here. There's going to be those guys that don't, that just aren't going to have a role on the team, which yeah. with the amount of talent, especially in the wide receiver room, like you said, that's going to be a good thing for him because it doesn't matter who leaves. If they didn't beat out whoever else he keeps, then, you know, he's got a, he's got a solid room there. Um, but yeah, it's spring ball is going to be fascinating mm-hmm. because there's so many position battles, not necessarily battles, but just who's going to get the time because we saw things change from Frost to Mickey with the same roster. Now it's a not completely different roster, but a lot of change. Things are going to be a lot different, going to be a di- very different uh, lineup going into next spring. Yeah, and then the I guess the biggest point I was going to make I forgot to mention is probably the biggest positive um, – out of the returnees and departures and additions, maybe even um, the biggest positive out of all of that is Nebraska's top two running backs coming back, mm-hmm. um, Anthony Grant and A.J. Allen, um, which, from my understanding, has been the work of that new um, 1890 collective that Nebraska started, um, Matt Davison, former Husker, who was with the athletic department until last season, um, running that now. So, um, you know, Nebraska still definitely ahead of the pack and NIL um, and all this stuff, um, Mm -hmm. which has helped them, you know, make these quick transitions, um, hopefully set rule up for fast. I want, I want to say fast success, but fast competency. Right. As he, because it is a, it's a very different world from when we saw Baylor struggled for the first year, but it's a very different world now with all these transfers. I, he nowhere near the talent that he brought in in that first year at Baylor. Yeah, definitely not with the circumstances going on there. So, definitely like you said, NIL the collective is going to be massive. The running backs, I, yeah, we kind of took it as a foregone conclusion. Especially Allen was gone with Applewhite, and that mm-hmm. just didn't happen. I I don't. I mean, I guess he's committed to the to the job here. Um, the only position coach that comes back, I believe, and this. Correct me if I'm mistaken. Is Raiola? Yeah. Um, which is, I think, is a little bit funny, but yeah. we'll see how that plays out. 
definitely the the betting odds for the position coaches returning, <laughs> no. he would have been like <laughs> yeah, right. probably second to last. But you know, maybe he's not really a frost guy because he had one year in the system. So maybe Rule saw something there. Offensive line still worried. I think I will be worried about it until I see anything on the field that resembles competency. Um, there were a couple guys that that left, that, but it's it's there is not much there in the first place. Um, Naruli, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right, is back next year mm-hmm. from being suspended this last year and brought in a couple guys. Speaking of NIL, though, what was your reaction to the Walter Rouse stuff? Because that was kind of I, – I just had to have a laugh because that's the whole scene of NIL now is you're committed to a school, probably because of NIL, you're a senior, and all of a sudden – Another school comes knocking. I, he mentioned that Oklahoma was his. He he told he said he mentioned that he told Rule that he liked that he was talking to Oklahoma. So my guess is obviously they offered him more money. But that's the reality. Of this this now right. If Nebraska can't can't outbid other schools, they're gonna lose guys. But Nebraska should be able to outbid a lot of a lot of schools, which may bode well for them in the future. Yeah, um, I mean we and we've kind of seen it so far. Um, I don't know. It'd be fascinating to see some of the numbers um, thrown around, offered. Um, maybe it's for the best that we don't, or the general public doesn't see right. those. But um, yeah, that that Rouse situation was pretty big blow for Nebraska to have him for a few days and then not and lose him to I don't know if you can call Oklahoma a rival, but definitely a program Nebraska mm-hmm. is historically familiar with. Um, hasn't really been on the level of recently, as we've seen head to head. Um, and that's kind of, maybe that's, maybe that's kind of a silver lining to, you know, get Nebraska fans to stop and appreciate that hasn't happened to Nebraska a ton in Mm -hmm. recent years where they've lost a commit like that. Um, they lost a few this year, but got them back. Um, Coleman and, um, Kim Lenhart and, um, I mean, yeah, that hasn't really happened. So it's probably, it probably was about time that Nebraska got burned by that. Um, Oklahoma seems like a better situation for him. Yeah, that was kind of my I, – I saw one year left of eligibility. Yeah. It's like, is this the year you want to buy in? Because it's a building, building year. Program, I yeah. think Oklahoma kind of had their rebuilding year last year, and now they should be set up for more success this year. So for him, if, if I'm him, I think that makes sense. Just the way that he did it was strange, and we haven't really seen that much where – He's all in, all N, as they say now. And then three days later, he's, you know, with Nebraska's arguably one of their biggest rivals. So definitely interesting situation, but it's the new reality we live in. And that's the way it's going to be until somebody steps in or the NCAA folds. So uh, exciting stuff going forward. Yeah, definitely, definitely excited to um, follow spring ball and see what happens, um, I guess, over the... What do we have next seven months before the yeah. season? A lot. I mean, the buzz already has been there, and it will certainly continue to uh, – that Kool-Aid will continue to get poured all over Nebraska. We'll see if that works out. It hasn't worked out for the past couple of years, but maybe Rule has the ability to change that. That's about all we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week to talk again another week for Nebraska basketball. And whatever else news comes up, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.